Hello, and welcome to the third episode of Steeped in Mystery. I'm Amanda. I'm Jenna. Hello, everyone. Okay, so Jenna, I picked out a really cool tea for us today. It's not the most flavorful tea. You got to add some lemon and honey to it to make it taste really good. Okay. But it is absolutely one of my favorites. Um, One, because it has a lot of health benefits, and two, because look at this gorgeous color. It's blue. It's blue. So this is butterfly PT. Wow. And I love it, but it gets even cooler. Even cooler than this. Watch. This is lemon juice. Oh my god, I love this part. I'm sorry, we got so much quiet going. Yeah, it turns purple with the lemon juice. It's how that's magic. I know, I love it. It's my favorite. (laughs) I thought for all the mysterious stuff we've got going on that uh color changing tea would be a really fun aspect like seriously i love my tea too but this is the first time i'm seeing color changing tea it's amazing you can add it to like so many things and it's this is amazing oh yeah i love it it's like i said most of the flavor comes from the stuff you add to it but it's just beautiful and it's super healthy for you so i was like okay we have to do this tea today Ah. Excellent. Excellent. And what's our mystery to go with our tea today? So today we are talking about the Bermuda Triangle. And um, for those of you who happen to be out of the loop very much so, the Bermuda Triangle is located between Bermuda, Florida, and Puerto Rico. They form the points of the triangle. And it's this mysterious place where lots of boats and ships disappear. It's about five miles deep at its deepest, and it's about a 76 mile area it's not really big in the scheme of the ocean and you know um it it is a major shipping lane and um from what i understand because of all the um flights that go into florida it's it's a air traffic lane as well so there's a i mean there's a lot of um boat and air traffic going in and out of the area but um from what i understand even with all that traffic in the area there's still some things that um with these mysteries that are really just specific to the area that's why it got its name yeah and i i remember uh way back when i was a kid watching some uh national geographic or history channel like expose on the bermuda triangle and um you know how they get they i mean they're the whole aliens built the pyramids thing and stuff like that right so they do allow for a little element of legend in their in their documentaries and they were trying to discover why the bermuda triangle is the way it is and i remember hearing something about them thinking it had to do with like these gas bubbles that were bubbling up from the seafloor and things like that but like the fact of the matter is at least the stories i'm discussing today i mean we still haven't found the wreckage or solved exactly what has happened in these circumstances and i know a lot of people are like well yeah it's the ocean you can't really find stuff but again this is a 76 mile area it's five miles deep the deepest we've been in the ocean is like six and a half seven miles so this is an area we can explore it is an explorable area and yet we still don't have answers um, the one thing that I like about the Bermuda Triangle is, is yeah, the disappearance and um, all of the theories about how all these disappearances happen. And um, I, I guess we could get into the, you know, the theories towards the end. I love um, that idea, especially since we can kind of see where some of the uh, 
facts lie. Yeah, yeah. So, um, what are some of the stories that you've uncovered with the Bermuda Triangle that really stood out to you? Okay, so I took um, a period of history, a lot of the earlier history between um, basically like 1462 and like 1800s. And that sounds like a long period, but it's it's really not in the scheme of, of this particular topic. So one of the first sightings or sightings or occurrences to ever happen in the Bermuda Triangle actually happened to Christopher Columbus. Wow. Yeah. So he was sailing the Santa Maria through that area. Now, of course, at the time, he didn't know that he was, um, you know, below America or that he was heading to Mexico or anything like that. He was sure he was heading to India. And so in his brain before he landed... He's he's going to India, you know, and on the last day of their journey, the day before they arrive, um, while on board the Santa Maria, Christopher Columbus records seeing strange lights in the distance. And, you know, this is a time when there's not light pollution. This is a time when if he was expecting to see lights from India or something, which, again, he wasn't even close to India, you know. It wouldn't be able to happen. And so uh, scientists have gone back and been like, oh, maybe he was seeing this or that. I think one scientist said maybe some form of aurora borealis. But I'm like, that seems really strange. So south of the equator. Yeah. Like, it's not even like South Pole. Like, you're talking like the equator's like nearly there. You're not going to be seeing aurora borealis. But... So that's that's one of the earliest occurrences, and there's not a lot more to it because, you know, it's so old and there's not a lot of documentation besides Columbus's own recordings of, hey, I saw some lights. Um, the next oldest one doesn't happen until around 1800, and this happens to the USS Pickering, which is a U.S. Navy ship, and it um, sailed during the quasi-war with France. I don't really know what happened in that war, but that's what... It says it maybe was, that's why it's quasi because it was like a quasi like it was a pseudo war maybe <laughs> i don't even know i was I, like I, i've never heard i of was it. like i really don't want to look into this war because i listen it must not have been that history changing for me not to know this much about it there you go but so this this particular ship um, the Pickering was 77 feet long and it had a total of 70 crew members on it. And, um, you know, it's a Navy ship. It's used to fighting. It's used to going on long distance uh, occurrences. And on August 20, 20th of 1800, it left Delaware to go to Guadalupe and it never made it. It was missing and nothing was recovered. And like we don't have any logbooks we don't have anything and this was 1800 so we'd evolved a lot more as far as ships go and we had a lot of ships going at that time a lot of other u.s navy vessels a lot of coastline you know vessels so it's not like the sea was unoccupied it's not like someone wouldn't have said oh i saw it passing and then a storm went by or something right right and i and i think you know we think back and we go oh 1800s you know, um, we still have boats that have sails and we don't have. This was a sailed vessel. Right. Like, let's be clear. And and we think um, there wasn't as much happening. But 
honestly, the seas were probably way more traveled at that point in time because that's how we were moving everything. That's how all the cargo got moved. There was no was planes. Boat. Yeah, there was yeah. no planes. So the only form of transportation to get from continent to continent was, in fact, shipping. And, I mean, that's why pirates were big, because they knew they could just sit on the water and wait for cargo to come to yep, them. because it would show up. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it would be there regardless. You just wait. And, and I feel like... Uh, this area, Bermuda, you know, Havana, Puerto Rico, the, this was the area where you'd see a lot of those pirates and stuff like that. So that makes sense. Warmer <laughs> waters, usually, you know, um, better weather. Well, better weather considering, I mean, obviously hurricanes and stuff and storms in that area, but mm-hmm. better than the North Atlantic for sure. Oh, absolutely. I would not want to be on the North Atlantic. Even right. even now, it kind of scares me. Um, and then again, 14 years later, we have another um, USS Navy ship, the Wasp, um, that was active during the War of 1812. And this was a 117 foot long ship. It had 173 crew members. And honestly, when I started seeing these numbers, I was like, it sounds like you get about one crew member per foot of ship. Right. <laughs> Which is so- but that's a that's a huge crew. It is a huge crew. I mean, 173 people. That's. I mean, if you think about each of them having a wife and, like, two kids, that's a lot of people missing them, you yeah. know? Yeah. And uh, it had 20, 32-pound carronades, which are basically, like, compact cannons on the ship. So it was, like, meant for fighting. And it actively fought and defeated three British warships and captured and sank a 325-ton ship. Um and, and I say this to say, this is a sturdy ship. This is not a sink-in-the-water-easily ship. Right. Um, and it, um, during the fall of 1814, gone missing. No crew members. Nothing recovered. Just wow. poof. Off the face of the Just earth. Just gone. Just gone. 173 people and a giant boat with cannons gone and sure you could argue the ship's gonna erode away and the bodies are gonna erode away but what about the cannons these are cast iron cannons yeah absolutely you're gonna find them you're gonna think yeah like if nothing in today's age we would have been like hey we can't prove it was from this particular ship but they're they're cannons from that time period at the bottom of the ocean right and 20 of them they'd they'd be relatively near each other i would assume I would think so. Yeah. If a ship goes down, um, usually it goes down all in one piece, especially yeah. if it sinks. Yeah. Um, pop. I don't know what popular belief is, but when you have these big vessels, they, they it's not usually like the Titanic where it breaks in half and you have half one and place and half another place. Usually it gets so swamped with water, it just goes capsizes. down. Capsizes. Yeah. yeah. It just goes down, literally. Yeah. And... And again, it was a very sturdy ship. And and also, you know, I just can't help thinking that in today's age, like even by 2006, I think we would have been able to go to the bottom there and been like, hey, here's about 20 cannons from the period of 1814. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> we, we think we discovered the wreckage and then that would settle me enough. Like I'd be like, OK, cool. It sank. Stuff happens. Well, I will just add this caveat that there is so much going on in the ocean that we don't understand. Like, we've only explored 
not even 10% of the world's ocean waters. And so I, my argument would be that um, because we haven't found it doesn't mean that it isn't at the bottom of the ocean because I've also learned in doing the research for this sh- this particular episode is that there are underwater currents. And so right. top currents are one thing and underwater currents are completely different. And sometimes those underwater currents they can spread out a shipwreck a little bit, but at the same time, they can also create like. But we're talking dunes where they bury. But thirty-two pound cast iron cannons. I mean, I think a metal detector or something. Like, you would think, yes. Like just yes. I err on the side of skepticism with this stuff. I would think we'd have some sort of remnants, even one cannon, to be like that. We found something. That's a good point. That's a fair point. And, I, and, and um, I'm going to also add in um, when we talk about the theories of why all this has happened in this area, I've got some wild theories that, that connect with metal detection and, and like magnetism and stuff like that. But I'll save that for later. Okay. So, so out of what I was looking in, in 1824 was one of the least remarkable disappearances, but I thought I'd give it mention. Um, the... In 1824, the USS Wildcat was also found missing. It was only a crew of 31 people, so it was a fairly small vessel, assuming that crew members to square footage, probably a 30-foot ship, easily could have sank, easily could have disappeared, was not a warship of any kind, but it was going from Cuba to the West Indies and also disappeared. This is one that I would easily write off as shipwreck. Right. Like, Like, just to... Just to put a point out there of, like, I'm not looking for it to be mysterious, but, like, some of these are just rough. Um, One of the most interesting ones is not actually a ship disappearance, but a ship abandonment. Oh. Yeah. So, in 1840, a ship called the Rosalie um, was on a trip from Hamburg to Havana and was found abandoned by a different ship. So it was found on an island. And there is actually an article that was published in the London Times on November 6th of 1840 about it. And I'm oh, going nice. Yeah, so I want to read the article. This is what it says. Ship deserted. A letter from Nassau in the Bahamas bearing date the 27th of August has the following narrative. A singular fact has taken place with the last within the last few days a large french vessel bound from hamburg to havana was met by one of our small coasters and was discovered to be completely abandoned the greater part of her sails were set like she was sailing and she did not appear to have sustained any damage the cargo composed of wines fruits silks and other very considerably valuable items was in a most perfect condition wow the captain's papers were all secure in their proper place the surroundings gave three feet of water in the hold so there was a little bit of water on the ship Mm -hmm. but there was no leak whatsoever the only living beings found on board were a cat some fowls and several half-dead canaries, half-starved with hunger. The cabins of the officers and passengers were very elegantly furnished, and everything indicated that they had only been recently deserted. In one of them, they found several articles belonging to a lady, together with the quantity of 
ladies wearing apparel thrown hastily aside, but not a human being was to be found on board. The vessel, which must have been left within a very few hours, contained several bales of goods addressed to different merchants in Havana. She is a very large, recently built, and called the Rosalie. Of her crew, no intelligence has been received. So based on this, like, very valuable crew, or very valuable cargo that they're carrying. Right. Decently sized crew, it sounds like, living lavishly with goods that they're about to go drop off so right they're probably well off enjoying their jobs they're not going to just quit altogether you know what exactly (laughs) exactly and what strikes me most interestingly is that it's clearly not like pirates because all of the cargo is intact oh yeah okay because if they were to be you know if pirates were to come kill all the crew or capture them or whatever so, so um, do you think this qualifies as a ghost ship? Yes, I would say it qualifies as a ghost mm. ship. I mean, to have everyone on that ship just poof. And what, what even extra sells it for me is the fact that they found a cat. Because I'm like, I don't think there's like a lot of wild cats down there. And this was, I, I would assume this was like a house cat. Otherwise, they would have said like a wild cat or something like that. Right. So someone left their pet on this ship. And that's, again, I mean, like, even if you're like, okay, let's agree. Let's leave everything valuable so we can just create new names for ourselves. You don't leave your cat. No one's going to notice your cat. Right. And, you know, interestingly enough, you would think if the ship ran aground. Yeah. That they would have stayed with the ship because you still have cargo. You still have food. They mentioned wine and fowl and you can eat. I'm, I would assume that yeah, that was I would, for, I would assume know. it was for dinner, yeah. Yeah. And so I, that's interesting that, that um, wow, that, the, that everyone was gone. And no trace either. Because I think when, they, the, when this other ship found them, they would have been like, oh, there's no one aboard. Let's check around and see if, you know, this is an area of islands. You're not going <laughs> to disappear right. off an island. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm like the fact that they didn't even find signs that the crew crew had gotten off the ship and walked for their shore or anything like that. That's extra interesting to me. And I think that's a reoccurring theme with the Bermuda Triangle is it's not just disappearances. It's literally mysterious disappearances like this is completely unexplained disappearances and in this instance it perfectly illustrates it's the people the people are disappearing it's not just vessels it's like you have a perfectly intact vessel that's seaworthy for that matter and the crew and, and and the passengers are just poof gone yeah and if it was if it was like the case where you could tell like stuff had been rummaged through and things like that, I'd even excuse that they all ran from pirates or got captured in one way sure, or another. Sure, yeah. It's the it's that point of like everything being intact but no people that makes me go, What the fuck? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. As soon as as soon as you say you know, nobody's there but like everything literally that they would have wanted is still there. Yeah, and they're clearly a I mean a lavish crew so they're not right if i was being treated like that i would be like i'm living on this boat forever right. in the bahamas <laughs> right especially if, like unknown island you're you know nowhere else to go 
why not stay with the ship where you at least have some shelter and comfort and other things? Interesting. So on the note of uh, uh, ghost ships, um, one of the last ship-based accounts that I have here, um, actually the last ship-based account I have here, is my absolute favorite story. And I'm surprised I don't hear this frequently because it's so jarring to me in a way. Right. Okay, so this is about the Ellen Austin. And this took place in 1881. Now, the first part of the story um, is fact. And then the second part of the story is claimed as legend or is very disputed by different Mm. people. So I'll go through the most popular account of it. And then we'll discuss some of the uh, alternate ideas people have about what happened in the second half. Nice. Okay. So the Ellen Austin was a salvage ship. It was about 210 feet long. And it had... It consistently made trips between the U.S. and Europe. So it was built for long sea travels. For sure. Um, and on one of its trips, I'm assuming, based um, on the fact that they were going from U.S. to Europe and were in a Bermuda Triangle, that they were probably going from Florida up to Europe. Okay. Um, on one of their trips, they found another ship. It was sailing aimlessly in the in the middle of the ocean, um, and they decided to see what was amiss. So they pull up next to the ship, and when they board, they found that there was no one else on the ship. Okay, so this is this is the ghost ship. This, this is, is tr- tr- this truly, is truly okay. a ghost ship. Okay. They found no one aboard. There okay, were, that's spooky. That does give me chills. I know. <laughs> I mean, this is the middle of the ocean. Where are you, where are you gonna right. go? Exactly. <laughs> Um, they found no signs of violence. Everything was in order, including personal items, food rations, and even the valuable cargo of mahogany wood. Wow. There were only two things noted as missing in the, the captain's logs. The captain of the Ellen, the Ellen Austin who discovered this ship, only two things were found missing. The ship's nameplate, so whatever would identify that ship. Oh. And that ship's captain log. Oh, so the captain's log was gone too. Yeah, so they don't even know what happened to this ship up until this point. I know. Okay, that's okay. All right. All right. I'm with you. Um, so the following is the part that is disputed. The captain then spent part of sent part of his crew on board the abandoned ship. Remember, this is a salvage ship. So they find old ships and wrecked ships, and they try and take from it and bring back what they can. Sure. So he sent part of his crew aboard and said that they should steer the ship and sail it behind them so they can stay together until they get to land and salvage what's left oh, on right, them. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Okay, smart. So, sort of like a, a caravan situation. Sure. And... Um, they're doing just fine and a storm hits when the storm hits both boats are separated from each other it takes the captain of the Ellen Austin several days to meet up with this ship again okay when they get on board there is no one what people he sailed there with he confirmed put on this ship were no longer aboard there was no one again. Oh, okay. Nothing. Okay. Dis- nothing disturbed. Nothing amiss. But part so, of his crew was gone. Okay. 
Okay. So the alternate ideas, because he did in fact come to shore with half of his crew. Right. Alternate ideas was that there was possibly a mutiny and they had to get rid of part of their crew. Um, the other alternate theory is that um, when he put the other sh- crewmates on this second ship, that they were too afraid and not wanting to deal with them. He just sailed off and said, meet us back there. And they never did. Um, oh, so he like left them purposefully. Left yes. Them. Oh, okay. So there's several disputed reasons why the secondary ship and the other part of the crew never came aboard. But regardless, when they found this, the ship was empty. And I don't think you just find a ship with valuable cargo, food, and all that just floating out in the middle of the ocean on a day-to-day basis. Right. Especially not on that kind of, of journey. Yeah. So where'd they go? Yeah, ab- absolutely. Where did they go? I This one is so weird to me because it's it's one thing to find an abandoned ship on a piece of land. Right. But in the middle of the ocean... Oh my god, Janet, I cannot Can you imagine? Uh that'd be like that'd be like if you pulled up to like Lake Superior or something, you know? And and you go out to the middle of the water there and someone's left a, f- a fishing boat floating around or like Sure, right. Mm-hmm. Or like walking up into the woods and finding an abandoned tent or w- with everything still intact at the campground. Like yeah. there's when we can tell as humans when something is amiss or something's not amiss in a regular setting like that. And to people during this time, particularly avid, avid sailors who regularly salvage ships, I feel like they would have a good grasp on, oh, we recognize these signs. You know, clearly the crew committed suicide or or uh, clearly they were captured because XX and X, like... Right, right. So, oh, man... And then, oh, jeez. To, to add to the mystery with Bermuda Triangle, it is not only ships or planes or people or things like that that go missing above the water. Sure. I found a story about something going missing on land. What? Yes. Okay, wait. Like, so like an, on an island or something located in within the triangle? Yes. All right, let's hear this. Okay, let's so, go. so there is a lighthouse mm. called the Great Isaac Lighthouse, um, and this is up by the Bermudas. Okay. It is a regular lighthouse. They have constant caretakers at it um, from the times of, like, uh, 1850 to 1870-ish. That's when they had caretakers there. Um, now, supposedly, there were several myths um, around this lighthouse that it was haunted. Some believed that the ghost of a past wife of a sailor lurked around there. Mm, okay. Some believed that um, the dead sailors who never made it to shore would haunt it and things like this. Okay. But after the following, it was decommissioned and has no longer been used as an active lighthouse and no caretakers handle it. From this event. From this event. During 1969, two regular caretakers were um, sent out manning their ship. Their wife saw them off to work, were expecting them to come home the following morning from guarding the lighthouse, making sure that the light was going, things were well oiled and cleaned. Well, they go off, their wives kiss them goodbye, 
and the following morning, they could not be found. Two caretakers, gone. No signs of struggle. No footprints leading off into the distance. They did not leave with, like, bags or, like, supplies. They were to go to their regular 9 to 5 shift, or in this case, probably more like 10 to 6, like 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. Sure. And come home to their wives as they always did. So they go off to their night shift the way they do every night, and they disappear. On land. Just so, oh, so, And there was more than one. Yes, there were two caretakers. Oh, wow. Wow. And Okay. It doesn't disturb me just that two guys went missing. It disturbs me that following that, they just de- decommissioned the whole thing. They weren't like, Joe and Bob quit. Or like... <laughs> yeah, they walked off the job. Joe and Bob did a Brokeback Mountain and just went up into the <laughs> yeah. sea or, you know, rode off together into the sunset. This, this was something that whoever was in charge of this lighthouse was so shocked by that they never hired other people the whole thing was decommissioned forget that yeah yeah this so clearly these weren't people who were just gonna go away right right oh my god that's an that's an interesting one yeah that is definitely interesting because you hear about the planes and the ships and stuff and i was like did anything ever happen on the land there and this was the only one i could find um I wish I could find more of the, like, deep Reddit stuff. Uh, yeah. 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 So, um, my stories that I have found, um, and there are numerous stories out there on the web. Of course. All over the place. Different websites. I mean, tons and tons of information. In fact, if you go to the Oceanic Service or NOAA website, um, North... Let me see. North Oceanic Atlantic Atlantic Association. Something like um, that. If you and it's a .gov site. If you go there, they actually have a page on the Bermuda Triangle. They don't offer a lot of information on the disappearances. They just said, "Hey, yeah, we recognize there's this area of the ocean everybody calls the Bermuda Triangle, and we think it's just an area of the ocean." So not very helpful there. But there's numerous other websites, and 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 the ones that I used um, specifically to do some research were MaritimeInsight.com, TravelTriangle.com, um, which I found some really good information, and then um, the other one is actually BermudaAttractions.com. Oh yeah, I stumbled upon that one, right? but they didn't quite have what I needed. <laughs> right. So um, I'm gonna pick some of the the stories that kind of stood out with me because I know that there's like really super famous stories like flight 19 and 1945 where like a squadron of five um airplane actually went missing and that one I think is the probably the most famous because it wasn't just one airplane it was five that went missing all at the same time right right but they were flying in formation when they did go missing i think that particular disappearance is what really set off people on believing that the bermuda triangle had something going on despite the previous occurrences that have happened there right right so um i've i've picked a few other stories that that might have some more insight that like obviously really spoke to me like lesser knowns um 
maybe some lesser knowns. Um, I thought it was actually kind of interesting in my research that um, the the phrase Bermuda Triangle wasn't coined, I think, until the 1970s. Which is insane, because like, everything I have here was previous to the 1970s. Right. and super weird. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but... Um, yeah. Anyway, go on. <laughs> okay, so um, one of one of the stories that I found interesting was the Carol A. Deering, okay. and um, this happened in 1921. Okay, um, she was a um, five mast commercial schooner, so she okay. all about the freight. You know, getting stuff from point A to point B. Right. This was during, like, Warring Twenties, so probably good time for merchandise, right? Yes. Yes. And so this is another, I think, rather than just disappearing ships and and aircraft, I think I'm kind of with you. The ones that where it's the people that disappeared are the... Cause the th- craziest ones you to think me. you'd find someone like someone's gonna grab a board and like paddle to an island or something <laughs> yeah or or you know everybody they run aground and everybody goes yep we're gonna hike off over this way and uh we're gonna see what we find and then you have joe that says no nah, no nah, i'm good i'm i'm just gonna stay with the boat i i, I i've got stuff here I'm good. Y'all, y'all just go. I'll see you later. I'll catch uh, you on the flip side. Even in the instances where women are bored, you'd think the men would be like, we're going to go look at stuff. You guys stay with the ship. Yeah, we'll come back. We'll come back. That's, You're so fragile. That, that's, just stay here. That's a total alpha male move. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Well, this is another one of those stories. Okay. So the, the vessel, the Carol A. Deering, was found hard aground on the rocks of Hatteras Diamond Shoals in North Carolina. Um initially there was speculation that that the boat was involved in rum running because oh. during prohibition <laughs> right however the investigation team from um barbados and i'm not sure why it was a barbados team i thought that was really interesting but when the barbados team maybe they were the closest ones that could get there yeah when they came um they reached the vessel after several days of effort in rough seas and they found a deserted ship with all crew members missing, along with the crew's personal belongings, ship's navigational equipment, logbooks, and life raft. Oh my goodness. So they like hopped on light ra- life rafts with everything? So was the ship like damaged or? So it was run aground and it didn't say whether or not the ship was damaged, but they said that, that, um, this has turned into um, a ghost ship situation. So um, completely abandoned vessel, obviously hard aground on rocks, but not necessarily an island. So they might have taken to the life raft and tried to seek out, you know, something else. But um, there have been other vessels that disappeared in this same area under mysterious circumstances as well. So I I th- thought that that one was really interesting. It's hard when people go missing because with ships and items, like physical items, you're like, oh, so it's a thing. It went yeah. away. But yeah. with people, it's like, there are, I mean, people have their people and their people are going to miss them. Right, <laughs> right. And everybody, I think it's the natural, natural curiosity, but you're going to want to know what happened. Yeah. Like, what happened? 
Yeah. Tell me the story. I want to know the story. Yeah. And I think obviously that's why we have our podcast. You want to know the story. <laughs> we want to know the story. But not being able to connect dots and have the the complete story, I think, is in my mind, it drives me nuts. <laughs> yeah, it makes me a little frustrated because there's only two options. Option yeah. number one, the government knows and keeps it from us, which is frustrating on like a whole bunch of levels. Or option number two, the government doesn't know. And that's even scarier because it's like, they're the smart people. They have college education. <laughs> they should. <laughs> we want to know. They've got all the college degrees. And if they don't know, right, help us all. Okay. So, um... This other one, it's a more recent, and and I I really did want to find some more recent instances of mysterious happenings because I felt like, you know, the most popular ones were in the 1800s, although Flight 19 was in 1945. Mm -hmm. Um, This one actually happened December 22nd, 1967, and the name of the cabin cruiser was the witchcraft (laughs) actually that's a great name right (laughs) so um it left miami and with the captain and his friend um father patrick which i thought was excellent um it wasn't a very big yacht but they call it a yacht it was 23 feet okay and um all they wanted to do was look at the christmas lights Miami's Christmas lights. So oh. they were so they were just offshore. So they were they're like a mile stay- offshore. Yeah, they're planning on staying relatively right. close. Really close to shore. Okay. So the Coast Guard actually received a call from the captain okay. stating that his ship had hit something. Okay. But there was no substantial substantial damage. Okay. So he's, he's just like, like, I hit something. You should know we ran into right. something. Right. But it's the middle of the night so maybe he was overly concerned so he indicated to um the coast guard that he did want help getting back to shore okay so he's like hey can you just come and just make sure that you know on the off chance i miss something let's get yeah, us safe. come and come and help me get back to shore it was literally a 20 minute boat ride to get to his coordinates and he gave exact coordinates to the coast guard right and again a mile offshore you can see a mile offshore right right you, and you could probably have spotted him with your naked eye like. exactly and um 20 minutes that's okay. it 20 minutes that's yeah. that's like nothing 20 minutes that you could have had your eyes on the boat the whole time right okay so when they got to the ship's location the area was completely deserted there was no sign of the ship no sign of life jackets no sign of anyone in the water um nothing did they there was there, did they radio him like there was Nope. There was no distress signals. There were no flares. There was, um, the Coast Guard was completely stumped because they're like, if they would have been going under or they suddenly, you know, this ship started to to flounder, they could have radioed back and said, oh, we're taking on water. You need to hurry. And this is nothing. This is a a yacht, even a you know a small yacht like that would have electricity. Yep. So again, lights, dark. I don't know if you've seen the ocean at night. Uh, for those of you who haven't, you can see lights offshore, like a long way off. It, especially if it's like calm sea. Oh yeah. Yeah. When there's no waves, you can see those lights. And I would assume yeah. if they were Christmas light looking, they would have chose a relatively calm night so oh, that they would be sure, sure to see what was happening mm-hmm. ashore. Yeah. And if they can see ashore, shore can see them. Yeah. So, 
boat was completely gone. Coast Guard searched hundreds of square miles of the ocean over the next oh few days. God. Found nothing. No. Nothing. Oh, I hate yeah. that. Yeah. I, I hate love that. <laughs> yeah. So that that story alone, I'm like... So they had communication with the vessel. It's how close they were there. Right? (laughs) We're not talking about like out in the deep, deep or away from like a mile offshore. They wanted to see shore. Like they they were probably closer than a mile offshore. This this one really got me. That one really got me. Yeah. Yeah. Because I imagine, okay, if I'm thinking yacht in Miami I'm thinking rich white people I'm thinking um champagne I'm thinking they're trying to stay as close to shore as they can legally to spy and go look at the Christmas lights yep I there's no way that they were far enough that yep that people couldn't see them and to not even get distress signals from them yeah yeah so um oh my interestingly enough okay this is just a little caveat there was a there's a cruise line that recently decided to do a Bermuda Triangle tour. Oh, God. From setting off from New York. And they actually put in a disclaimer that said, if the boat disappears, you'll you'll get a full refund. Well, that's not going to help me. <laughs> I know, but they actually put a disclaimer <laughs> in, in, in it saying... Basically, we guarantee you'll get back in one piece. Otherwise, we'll refund your money if the boat disappears. I'm so glad that they've contacted <laughs> that they've contacted the you know other realm entities and made this agreement. I'm sure they've signed their contracts. <laughs> right. Oh my God. Right. That's like being like, don't worry. If you go in this volcano and die, we guarantee that you'll get your money back. Like, thanks, but I'm dead. <laughs> like, my money back is not gonna do anything for me at the bottom of the ocean right exactly i knew this is a random tangent but allow me if you will i you know i've discussed i previously was mormon and i know the mormons used to um conspiracize that there was this like thing in the bible or the book of mormon where this whole island of like super good people got transported up to heaven because god thought they were so good i can't remember the name of the island yes but you know what I'm talking about, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So we we used to conspiracize that the whole reason that was a hot spot was because things were still going missing and because there was a leftover like void from God taking something off the earth. Like that was our thought. So I mean this is this is something that's touched enough communities to be like, "Hey, we all think there's there's something going on here." It's not even a big area. It would not take long. For scientists to say, look, we can get rid of all of this conspiracy craziness. We can reach the bottom of this area. We can grid search the bottom and prove that there's nothing. We've got sonar and all that to, like, even ping and say, hey, look. Again, we pinged off these, you know, cannons. See, look, they're all here. Right. It's all found. So there was... So I'm going to touch a little bit on the aircraft, some of the aircraft that has gone missing. Aircraft always freaks me out because it's like... Someone would see it crashing. I don't know. So this one is really interesting because, again, he he was having contact with the with the tower. Okay. So this was um, May twenty fifth, nineteen seventy three. Bob Corner and seventy three. Yes, seventy three. Oh my god! So fairly recent. Yeah, that's like what you're. Yeah, my dad was born in seventy one. So I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> so he he started a trip from Miami to Freeport in the Bahamas. Oh. 
Bob was flying his own aircraft, an aviation A-16, uh, very well maintained, great pilot, over 5,000 hours of flying experience, so very well educated um, pilot. Um, the plane's tank was full and the flying distance to Freeport was only 110 miles. Okay. So that's like, that's so like what? nothing. That's like um, 20 minutes. minutes. Yeah. yeah. 20, 30 minutes. So uh, midway through the flight, Bob contacted the control tower at Miami to check the weather ahead. Okay. Control tower reported there was a, a severe storm and advised him to take a detour to avoid the storm belt. He followed the instructions. They saw him on the radar follow the instructions. Yeah. And... Um, that was the last time they heard from Bob. What, did he just go missing off of their tracking? So the plane behind him, he disappeared off the radar. The plane, there was a plane behind him that was advised by the control tower to retrace its flight path and to try to locate Bob's plane. Oh, so like immediately they're sending search for him. Yes, and immediately the U.S. Coast Guard was also contacted to look for a possible down plane, and no trace of the plane or Bob was ever found. Remind me, how big is this plane? Is this just like a one person? So I think, um, I'm not quite sure how big an, an Navion A-16 I would assume is. one person, if maybe two person, if it's just yeah, Bob. Yeah, it might be a small, like a small Piper plane, but, like, but at the, the fact same that they, time. Why did he just disappear off their radar? He exactly. Wasn't, he wasn't going in the storm. He was actually on radar. Oh and he God. avoided the storm. What the hell? Like. Yes. I, it's like we create all this technology to help yep. us so that we don't go missing, so that we're all safe, so that we all have this sense of security, and none of it. Yep. helps at all we just can just blip off of the radar and never be heard from again i oh my gosh so so here's another one you ready for it yes this this one's even more recent oh god 1991 <gasps> no yep 1991 grumman cougar so on october 31st the pilots john verde and paul luke Karras of a grumman cougar jet made a routine radio request to increase altitude. Okay. While ascending, so they were going up, the aircraft gradually faded from radar and vanished. Although this case is sometimes cited as an incident of Bermuda Triangle, the incident actually took place over more of the Gulf of Mexico. Okay. But But that's even weirder. it was on radar and was changing altitude and so just it went up disappeared. and disappeared yep just went up okay and disappeared. Let, let's even like say okay they went up and they were too far away from the thing to be detected yep if they broke down and started falling down they'd get picked up by radar again yes yes what yeah no i absolutely and even if they were over the gulf of mexico let's say they weren't in in the bermuda triangle let's say they were in the gulf of mexico that's even stranger to me because you have land almost entirely around that area right and so if i was a pilot and i went really high up i know that with a lot of smaller planes you can glide them for a fairly long distance from heights yes so if your engine fails Reasonably, they could have glided to some sort of landmass. You would think, right? Yeah. Especially, and and um, these are short flights. Yeah. These are these are not like they're long flights. No, and the uh, the Gulf and the Bermuda Triangle area, even though it can get as deep as five miles, it is still fairly shallow water, particularly close to shore. I mean, I feel like I could walk like 
I, I went to Florida recently and I walked out into the water I feel like like 50 yards or so and like oh yeah I'm a short person and my feet could still <laughs> touch the ground I can confirm <laughs> she is short I, I, I can see hell a lot clearer from here, so it helps yeah. me out. <laughs> so there, this this other one um, I, I lost in my research. Oh, no. Shame on me. The name of the plane. But the plane was actually in approach to Miami, and it was a small one-person plane flying from the U.S. Virgin Islands into, About what time? into Miami. So this was actually, I think the time frame on it was... Um, between 1990 to like actually 2005 and he was on approach to the airport the tower saw him acknowledged him could actually see his lights on his plane so he was on approach oh my god tower could See him on the radar, but could visually see his lights. He never landed. He never landed. If you can see his lights, you can see him go down. Yeah, there was literally another plane, like, um, behind him coming in. And when the tower lost visual of his lights and lost him off radar, they were calling to the plane that was behind him in line to land and was like, did you see where he went? Where did he go? And the plane behind him didn't even see where he went. Oh, my God. And so if you're talking like 1990 to 2004 range, I'm thinking if this happened after 2001, given everything that happened that year with planes, we were, you know, extra on top of like making sure that everything, exactly everything was monitored down to the last detail because we were in such a hyper alert mode and we want to know where everything in the sky is. All the time, which yeah. is reasonable. I mean, when you're an air traffic controller, that's your sole purpose. That's oh, yeah. your job. You don't want a half drunk, half asleep air traffic controller like that. Can you imagine? Sure. <laughs> He's getting fired. Flight 37. <laughs> uh, I think runway 19er is clear. Hold on. Let me look. Yeah, I don't see any lights anymore. Oh, wait. Where did the lights go? Oh, never mind. Go ahead. You're clear to land. Remind me which way I'm supposed to turn when he's moving his arms like that. (laughs) Like, yeah, that that, that just doesn't happen. You've got one job. You've got super attentive people anyways because it's a high stress job. But during this particular period of time was extra like, like, I feel like anyone working after 2001 on planes, especially right after, would have been extra alert about these things because oh absolutely because we were so traumatized as a nation and right right and so like the fact that it happened in that time period even extra makes it spooky for me because you know that after that that they were probably looking for weeks trying to figure out where he was and what had happened and you know checking everywhere did anyone have a plane crash is there something we're missing here right exactly Exactly. That is so crazy to me. Okay, I've got one more for you. Okay. And this one. So, okay, so this one spoke out to me because not only was it fairly recent. Okay. But they they found, okay, so it involves disappearing people, okay. disappearing vessel, 
and then they found the vessel a year later. A year later? Completely intact. And the people? Gone. Oh my god, tell me. <laughs> so there's actually a Wikipedia page about this particular disappearance because it was so well investigated. Really? And and this is this might hit you in your in your in your gut because it's the disappearance of Perry Cohen and Austin Stefanos. And um, they were two 14-year-old friends. Oh. Right. Who vanished during a fishing trip on July 24th, 2015. Oh, my God. In Tequista, Florida. Oh, my God. So um, they have never been found. So this story started when they decided to go fishing. I'm going to cry already. Not, not, I mean, they weren't going far offshore, obviously, because it was a very small craft that they were in. Okay. So um, the two boys would routinely check in with their parents. They had cell phones with them and they were close enough to land. They still had cell phone service. So they were, they were, they would check in with their, um, their parents and their family members. 2015, 14 year old boys also aren't going to live that long without cell reception. (laughs) So here's, here's another, um, they, they had been on this boat numerous times. Right. Like, I mean, clearly their parents trust them enough to be out there by themselves. Right. And they had actually actually been stopped a week prior by a marine patrol officer for a routine safety check yeah because the coast guard goes a couple miles offshore and will check boats as they go around that area so their equipment was all um all safe by the standards of florida law and this was a week before they went missing right so this ship is well running vessel yes okay yeah oh my god yeah so um on July 23rd, Cohen sent out a message to another friend on Instagram that read, "Me and Austin are crossing to the Bahamas tomorrow. Come with us. We won't we wouldn't check in." Another friend reportedly spoke to Stefanos about traveling to the Bahamas prior to their departure with Stefanos saying the weather was too rough. Cohen reportedly asked his stepfather that night if he could borrow the GPS to use on the boat. Oh my gosh. Right? Oh my gosh. So, um this is like I said, so well documented. They have so I mean, much 2015, information. Twenty fifteen, of this. course right. it is. Right. Like. So on the morning of July twenty fourth, two thousand fifteen, um, Cohen and Stefanos traveled to the Jupiter Island Marina to go fishing, and it was a nineteen foot single engine, nineteen seventy eight sea craft. Um, and they were last seen at the Yacht Club or Marina where they got gas. So they actually, this was a motorized boat. Um, it's not like it was a rowboat. Right. So they left the marina sometime before noon. Um, okay. Shortly after they left, a line of thunderstorms did, were documented that okay. they moved into the area. Okay. So one of the theories is that they were believed that they were um, taken, taken over by a thunderstorm. Yeah. And I know with, like, missing children, which technically these would be qualified for, like, after, like, 24 hours they almost guarantee that they're dead and um after a week it's like you're never seeing them again even if there's no body turned up or anything right and so so um they obviously thousands of dollars were raised in a few hours after they um failed to come back that day um 
lots and lots of people volunteered hours for the search. I mean, they missing checked, children are like yeah, grid right. search. Oh they gosh. they search shorelines, beaches, looking for any washed up debris. Um, due to the vast area, they were looking, you know, multiple boats, aircrafts. So this wasn't just the Coast Guard looking. There were Probably like lots private of locals. people. Yeah. But the Coast Guard used um, a C-130 airplane to look for them, a helicopter crew. Oh, um Customs and Border Patrol people were looking. Like, this is literally... How did I not hear about this voters story? and pilots. I think I heard about this story, but with us being, like, in nowhere, Idaho, hearing about, you know, a story in Florida about two missing missing teenagers, I, I think I recall hearing something vaguely on the, on the news about it. It not you as hard when it's further away. Right, right, right. Yeah. So... They did determine that the boat was not equipped with an emergency locating beacon. Okay. And um, so here's... Take your here's emergency the, beacons. Here's the, here's the clencher. <laughs> okay. The boat the boys were operating was originally discovered on July 26, 2015 near Daytona Beach, Florida. Oh, wow. And attached a data marker buoy to the boat and left to continue to search for Cohen and Stefanos. It was rediscovered on March 18th, 2016, 100 miles from Bermuda. Oh, my God. An iPhone and other personal effects were found on board the boat. Oh, man. The, the, they, they searched for a long time. A long time. How tragic. Yeah. Like. Yeah. So they rediscovered the boat and um, they believed that there was potentially additional information on the fate of the, the, the children. The boat was discovered to have the ignition and battery switched to an off position, which could potentially indicate foul play. Oh, my gosh. So anyway, this, this is like... Um, this really hit me because not only did the boys go missing, but the boat was found intact. Yeah, and their phones are on the boat. And again, 14-year-old boys, 2015, they're not going along without their phones. Right. They, they they would probably rather take the batteries out than not have cell phone reception. Right. <laughs> right. So this is one oh that gosh. I thought was particularly interesting because it it still is one of those ghost vessel stories to me like they found the vessel but no people but no people on board but personal effects were still on the boat so you would think if they hit a bad storm and were swamped with water that the boat would have just sank Mm -hmm. or that the stuff would be washed off right their personal items would have been lost so well and if they're regularly you know even 14 year old boys if their parents trust them enough to be out there on this boat regularly without supervision they're probably smart enough to know hey i see storm clouds coming we need to get closer to shore like right exactly they're probably more intelligent and mature than the average 14 year old boy to be allowed to do such a thing right and for sure Oh my god! I I just feel so bad for the parents because they're like, yeah, our sons do this all the time, and then they're just gone. Yeah. Like I would never get peace as a parent if, like, 
It would be tragic if my children died. For any reason, if they if they left this earth, it would be tragic. Oh, 100%. But to me, it would feel even more tragic, and it would never, ever even close to, to heal if I didn't at least have a body to bury. You right. know what I mean? And it goes back to knowing that full story. Yeah. You would never know the full story. And so these poor families, they, they don't know the full story. Holy crap. They're just gone. I hate that. I really hate yeah. that. <laughs> My thing is, is that it was such a small vessel that they ended up finding the vessel. At all? Yeah. Yeah. It's 19 foot. That's that's not that big. And so they ended up, you know, they, they found the vessel, but not the kids. Yeah. And anything that's going to wash the kids off board, I would assume would wash smaller items such as an iPhone oh, yeah, off board as well. Yeah. I wonder if the iPhone was actually working when they found it, because that would help determine Ooh. if it was like waterlogged or anything like that. Like, yeah. And, and iPhones, I mean, even in 2015... I, I'm not an iPhone user. I'm I'm an Android person all the way. But, well, but iPhone is very good about their location information and um, right their sharing on the cloud and things like that. They do a really good job of that. They do. I just don't like their interface. Like if I wanted something to track, I'd probably go get one of those Apple trackers because yeah. I know how reliable Apple's GPS oh, system is. For sure. And so the fact that it was an iPhone they found and they still didn't have like GPS information. Right. Because good computer guys can recover that stuff. Like So much more information on that Wikipedia page, peeps. So if you want to check out more on that story, go and, go and read up on it. But I think we're at the point where let's get into some of the theories yeah because we got (laughs) we'll just touch on a couple of them yeah um the magnetic field theory okay so this is the one where everybody says your electronics go haywire um there's you can't be tracked you can't right that the they say that instead of your compass pointing to magnetic north it's pointing to true north which can mess up a lot of your navigation instruments right my personal belief on this one is we should have been able to disprove that one by now and i think we pretty much have because we have the scanning capabilities and the technology to go out there with vessels and pinpoint what could be causing that electronic anomaly so like if it's a meteor under the ocean that's magnetic or something like that or even if it's a rare earth mineral in the water there. oh yeah sure Which, we we should have been able to pinpoint like hey this location has something be aware that, that this, there's this. some mag- magnetic disturbances in this area please adjust your instruments accordingly right or like, just avoid you know avoid general, that altogether yeah avoid this general area or and even if they don't it's just like in with today's technology it would be so it's so easy to find stuff right it is really hard for stuff to go missing these days like so exactly and and another theory is and i uh, this one i don't think is as plausible i can see it Mm-hmm. Um, has to do with the water itself, but it doesn't explain the airplane disappearances. Right. So one is the um, the methane coming up from the yeah bottom. the gas bubbles mm-hmm. yeah, and they they've actually proven this on like um, if you watch documentaries on Bermuda Triangle, even small gas bubbles if you have a lot of them over a big area can sink a large vessel because it displaces the um right your density of the water changes and so you're gonna you're gonna have the water not 
not have the right density to make any to, boat float. Yeah, it changes the buoyancy of your vessel. Buoyancy, that's the word I was so, looking for. So... <laughs> um, I, I don't get I don't believe that one because it doesn't no. explain the aircraft. So um, this one, I guess it could apply to air and and sea is um, time travel tunnel. <laughs> but it, so they're just gonna appear one day, right? So they f- they fly or sail into this time travel tunnel and they are gone and into will, another time. We, we will see them later. But here, here's on the flip side of that again, then why do we end up with ghost vessels? Yeah. Do the people just try? The, it's the inconsistencies there. Yes. If, if it was consistently the ships and the people, or if it was consistently just the people, or if it was consistently only aircraft, like... For sure. It'd be one thing. But it's the fact that it's like a mixture of the two. I wonder if there are ever... I, I always wondered if they ever have like ghost planes... Like a situation Ooh. where the crew goes missing, but the plane is then found. Another topic for Steve uh, yes. Mystery coming soon. <laughs> so, I mean, I feel like it's that there are a plethora, a plethora of theories, a lot of scientists, a lot of information. And again, small area. The Bermuda Triangle is a very small area and all of it is able to be explored it is not deep enough that we cannot reach it it's not like the marianas trench it's not like the atlantic and the vastness of that it is a relatively to the ocean shallow area okay yeah with with relatively clear water and again it's only 76 miles of area okay so this this is the theory that i think i like um just because i think it's the funnest one out there is that there's an alien base Oh, yeah, absolutely. We've got an alien base. That's Bermuda the Triangle. easiest explanation. Right? So that, 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 they snatch you out of the air. They snatch you out of the water. And, you know, hey, if they're aliens and they can snatch you, they don't need your, your nasty ass, you know, mast ship. They can just take you off the boat. Well, so, I mean, and the, the times they is. do take your ship, they need an extra exhibit in their alien museum. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> They've got an underwater alien museum. So the people that live up there on the surface of this planet, this is what they travel in. Ha, ha, ha. How primitive. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And over here is the display of the people that live on the top of the earth. Look how primitive. Ha, ha, ha. The one guy knocking on the glass. Can I Can I get out? <laughs> can I leave, please? I miss my cat. <laughs> I miss my cat. Oh, my gosh. I've decided that all animals are the true victims of the paranormal, especially cows. Oh, yes. (laughs) Poor cows. I'm sure that there was some cows on these boats, and they are the victims of this as well. Yes. It's very sad. So, tea or no tea? Would I have tea in the Bermuda Triangle? Yes. If I could take my family, yes. Because I'm making the assumption that... Um, whether me and the vessel go missing or just the people go missing, that um, we all go to the same place. That's my assumption. Oh, okay. So if I could take my family with me, absolutely. Because then if we all go missing together, we get to go to a new place together. You get to go to the alien base together. Yeah, at least I'd have my people. (laughs) If I had to go alone and, like, leave them, I couldn't do it. Because I couldn't leave... The way that those boys left that their family, not that they chose it, but like I couldn't, I couldn't be responsible for those feelings of the people that I left behind. 
Fair enough. What about you? Would Fair you- enough. Well, I've been to the Bahamas and 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 I've been to Florida. Absolutely love the Bahamas, but I am a, a land lover to an extent. Like I can stand on the beach and watch the waves and everything else, and and be oh so happy. Um, so I think if if I were on land in Bermuda Triangle, I would most likely yes but the water part gets you the water part gets me so like i i it's not that i don't like boats i like boats i've been on on the ocean but the vast unknown of it makes me a little creeped out that's fair that's reasonable plus i'm scared of water that i can't see the bottom of that's a regular fear too yeah we can i want to talk about phobias some other time because there's a lot of interesting things with them another upcoming episode of steeped <laughs> in mystery uh, yeah all of this stuff whatever there is to be discussed we're gonna get to it yeah I so I, I i think do i have a fear of the triangle where i wouldn't go and have a cup of tea probably not i, w- I would go and have a cup of tea in the okay. triangle but so I think I would still be a little cautious. Yeah, so so cautiously having tea yes, there. Yes, cautiously. Cautiously having our tea there. Yeah. Um, definitely I would choose a boat over a plane, though, because on the off chance we get transported to someplace and the plane just... Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I agree with you on that one. <laughs> All right, friends. Well, thank you for listening. Um, you know, smash like on whatever you're listening on us. Give us some stars. Give us some love. And uh, we'll be back next week with another Steeped in Mystery. Yeah, don't forget to follow so that you get that notification and you get the first chance to hear all our mysterious, crazy stuff. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.